Welcome in to the PHNX Suns podcast brought to you by the DraftKings Sportsbook app, America's number one sportsbook app. Don't forget to hit that like button, subscribe wherever you get your podcast, and leave us a five-star review. I'm Lindsay Smith here with Saul Bookman, Espo, and Gerald Borgay. Guys, throughout the offseason, I think I'm going to come in with a question of the day just to kind of get things started. Typically, it'll be something random and fun, um, and sometimes it'll be really lame. Like today, what's your favorite color? Individually, it's blue, but as a color combo, black and yellow. Okay. Mm. He's a Steelers fan. What do you want? Uh, <laughs> sorry to out. Expectations you, were low. Uh, purple. Purple. I feel like I need. I that am one. shocked by oh, that you, answer. Are you <laughs> I, I know it's tough My, to believe. Mine's always been navy blue. Okay. Navy blue's always it's the goat. All right. Mine's green, like this kind of a like a darker like a shade of green. Forest green. Yeah, all the different darker greens. Like okay. highlighter green. No. No. Okay. Not particularly. Can and I, then black is a close second. Yeah, obviously. I'm surprised black wasn't first on the list because this is the first time I've seen you wear a non-black shirt on the program, I believe. Well, there's a first for everything. There what is. can I say? <laughs> All right, gentlemen. Uh, well, before we get into that, can I can I say something real quick? Yes. Because I, I I actually had said like, well, usually Lindsay opens up the show by saying, "How are you guys feeling today?" Mm-hmm. And then today was the first day you didn't do that. I was like, oh, okay. Well, I guess we're not going to do that. So <laughs> I just wanted to address something real quick off the top, just because of what happened yesterday. Obviously, there's a lot of things going on in the world that are not great. Um, And, you know, a tragedy happened yesterday and something that could have absolutely been avoided. And we're not going to get into a a discourse about, you know, this side or that side or what the the moving forward should be. But we just wanted to let you guys know that we decided not to go live yesterday because we were very empathetic to what was going on. And, and, and it hits all of us in, in different ways. Um, and I think it's, it's, it's not a great place that we're all in right now as a country. And, um, you know, I have four kids and, you know, three of them are in high school. And I can't even imagine thinking, especially at a younger age, you know, in elementary school, dropping them off and, um, never seeing them again. Um, you know, and Espo's got a five-year-old and, uh, it's, it's it's a sensitive topic when you're talking about um, just where do we go from here? And everybody will say the right things and everybody will say we need action right now. Um, and, and I hope it's true. I hope people actually take action. But honestly, like it's a little deflating where we're all at right now in terms of what is going to happen. Is anything going to actually happen? Is any measure going to be taken outside of just absolutely putting up gates and fences and walls around these schools to keep our, our kids safe? Um, and it's just, I'm just really sad about the country right now. I think the biggest thing to remember in all of this is that it's okay to take some time. It's okay to be angry. It's okay to have the emotions, all the things. Um, Just make sure that you're also taking care of yourself throughout all of this as well. Sometimes I feel like we get too much too often and it's too heavy for most people to be able to actually shoulder. Yeah. I mean, I have uh, a wife who was a second grade teacher. I have a five-year-old daughter who's in elementary school. So, uh, yeah, it, it it hit me hard yesterday. And uh, look, for me, it, it's as simple as this. If if we never change anything, nothing ever changes. And that's that's where I'll leave it. So. Yeah, I think we all know what needs to be done. And there's no point banging my head against a wall saying the same thing we've been saying for months, years now. Uh, it's just sad that it keeps happening. And hopefully this is 
the start of some change, but it does feel deflating. And I think that's why it was better that we took some time yesterday to properly process all of that before and, going live or anything like that. And I just, the only thing I would ask everybody out there, um, to people I talk to every day is please, please, please do not get numb to this. This should not be something that just, okay, well, this is the next thing that happened. That's bad. Like if you have an opportunity to make a change, if you have an opportunity to do your part into trying to enforce that change, please, please remember an instance like this and do so. No. We just want to make sure that you guys know that we all care about each and every one of you and that we understand if there's any sort of feelings going on that same, like we can relate. Um, but we won't spend too much time on that because I know um, as important as it is, I know that this is also a space where we can, can find some yeah. mm -hmm. happiness Absolutely. and joy in life as so well. So let's bag on the bench. Let's, let's talk about some <laughs> basketball. Oh, I never mind. <laughs> um, we're going to start off with some flowers. We'll keep things a little light off the top. We got some flowers to give out uh -oh. to Devin Booker and Chris Paul. Oh, yeah. D-Book was named to the All-NBA first team. Chris Paul was named to the All-NBA third team. So... Round of applause, gentlemen! Congratulations. I think we have a, a applause thing, don't we? Oh, well, we're sorry. not breaking just, it out. I just did it manually. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's it's cool because we talked about Book being a top five MVP candidate. He was that meant that logically he would probably be a first team All NBA guy, but uh, you need to see it to actually believe it's happening and it was cool to see him on that list now he's eligible for that supermax that we talked about four years and i think 211 million and then chris paul i know a lot of people are down on him right now but he really did have a tremendous season third team all nba at the age of 36 is not something to just turn your nose up at mm -hmm. um, and it was his 11th uh, all nba selection which i think puts him on a list of like 15 other guys that have ever gotten that many in nba history um, so pretty cool for him as well. But, uh, if you, did you see Nikias' uh, thread today? Which one? Uh, it, well, talking about CP3 getting an All-NBA mention, mm -hmm. uh, third team. Uh, there were some that even had him as first team, some votes that had him as first team and second team. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, I tend to agree with him. Uh, I don't think – I think third team's not 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 outlandish. I think that's, that's fair. Mm -hmm. um, but first or second team, I thought that was like, whoa, what? No, I think he. I think you could have made a case for maybe second team before he got hurt, but missing that time, I think yeah. was probably. I, I had him third team on my list, and I think that was appropriate. Yeah. Look, uh, let me take your flowers and walk them over to the closest dumpster. Oh, oh my God! What you're wearing right Lord. now? Man, Espo's still. Espo's still I'm, so angry. I'm in the anger phase again. <laughs> stage again. Guys. All these flavors I'm and sorry. spices, and you choose salt. <laughs> <laughs> What's that? What did you say? All these flavors and spices, and he chooses salt. Yeah, he does. <laughs> That's clever. I like that. I'm going to steal that. <laughs> yes, I am today. Sorry. <laughs> Look, I'm happy for Devin. It means he's going to get his money, and it's well-deserved. Right. Great. Chris got recognized for his work, you know, but there's a lot of work left to do. I'll say I'll say that for it, but I'm glad that they got got recognized for a great regular season, but I really wish they were getting recognized for a great postseason right around. Hey, everybody gets a ribbon. Let's go. Icon <laughs> with a $5 super chat, thank you, says, 
paying $5 for you to Google handsome Squidward and tell me it isn't Ish Wainwright. Uh, here, yeah, I was like, I just Googled oh, it. <laughs> oh, <my God. laughs> what do you guys think? This is true. Yes. It does look like uh, Ish Wainwright. <laughs> it does. Wow. Oh, my That's God. How version. did you even like? It looks like as if uh, Ish Wainwright went on the movie Mars Attacks. <laughs> oh <my God>. <laughs> <laughs> I need to know how where the connection with your brain was. Like, did, was that a meme on social? Are you still watching SpongeBob? Like, where did that connect? Like, how? What was the light bulb moment for that you, Icon? Can have yeah, that. I love that. I love that kind of. It's brain. so funny. Josh is another one of those guys that has that brain. Yep. We say one thing and we're a meme on on Twitter in, in five minutes. Hey so. dot zero. We will not have any KD slander on this show. Hey dot zero is coming to Phoenix. You're right, but we'll talk about <laughs> uh, that. Yeah, well, let's get into it because Matt Toolman in the chat said, "Why are there rumors floating around about KD coming here? I assume with a sign and trade with Aiton." Well, there's drama happening in Brooklyn right now. Uh, We have reports from multiple different people that uh, Kyrie and the Brooklyn Nets front office are having a struggle kind of reaching an agreement and that if they don't, things could get really ugly. Um, And as Anthony Puccio tweeted, it appears Brooklyn is reluctant on giving Kyrie a long-term deal, which if that does happen... Could open the door for Kevin Durant to be like, I'm out. Yes. I don't want to be here anymore. But, and maybe he really likes Scottsdale, you guys. The other part of that tweet says, you know, that they haven't spoken to Kevin Durant since the season ended. That's mm-hmm. very true. Is it that weird? No, that's no, not true. It doesn't strike it me as weird. Like, if I'm going, if, if I get a chance to go on vacation, the last thing I want you guys. is a call from Saul. Going, no, no. Hey, yes, no. First of all, first of all. Muting the group chat. First of all, if, if for Espo to actually say that in my direction is so black. Espo's the one texting us yes, on vacation. I know. Do you know how many times I have to yell at Espo and say, hey, fucker, take that's, the day off. Stop texting everybody. And then and then he won't text me. He texts Jacob and he texts Shane. And they come and tell me, hey, Espo's texting me again. And I'm like, that's different, though. If I choose to text you, that's on me. No. If you call me, like, no, I'm going to A vacation for you is a vacation for us. Oh, okay. Oh, I see how it is. There's some words I want to call you, but I'll refrain. Thank you very much. Oh, man. Save us, Gerald. So, anyway, Kevin Durant. <laughs> um, look, oh, I, I think the Nets are at a really tough place because you look at what Kyrie was able to give them this season, less than half of a season. You look at you know him not wanting to get vaccinated. And I don't care where you stand on the issue. These are the facts. Him not wanting to get vaccinated alienated James Harden. James Harden wanted out. Now they're down to two superstars with a bunch of role players. Joe Harris is hurt. Kyrie and Kevin Durant get swept in the first round. They're the only team in the playoffs that's gotten swept, by the way. And a lot of people thought they should be contending for a title this year. And now they're out of the playoffs. Now Kyrie's long-term status there is in question. And if he walks, they don't have the means to go out and get another superstar. So... If they don't figure out what they're going to do with Kyrie Irving, and if it's not a long-term extension, which they're uncomfortable with given his unreliability, like, yes, Kevin Durant is not going to be happy about that. I'm not saying that he's going to certainly come to Phoenix, but like the Suns, as we talked about yesterday, they have a lot of flexibility with their contract structures, with owning all of their picks from 2023 and beyond. They could throw their hat in the ring I'm not saying it's going to be a DA sign and trade and and straight up that doesn't work anyway. There'd have to be a lot of other pieces involved. 
but it's something to keep on the radar moving forward because if he's unhappy, you have the means to go out and get a superstar. Kevin Durant isn't going oh, anywhere. Jesus, this guy. They at worst, they'll come to some one year agreement with Kyrie. He's not gonna a, sign a one year deal. You don't think so? No. Who, I don't think he's gonna get a whole hell of a lot of interest think, around the league. Very, yeah, year. I don't think there's many teams that would are willing to go into the Kyrie pot for multiple years. I really don't. He's gonna no. take a short term, he'll go back, he'll prove himself, he'll get his long term deal. He and KD will play a few more years together in Brooklyn. I mean this is all posturing. That would have to be it's, a last resort situation for Kyrie to accept a one-year deal. It's business decisions for the... Listen, listen, I, I understand the Brooklyn, why any team would not want the to get Nets, longer than that. The Brooklyn but. Nets have seen this 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 scenario play out in front of their eyes for now two years, and it, it's, it's always something. And so I could completely see them saying, nah, we're good. We'll just one year or nothing. Like, that's just it. I, I think one thing that it covered in the article... A possibility is that if he were to sign with another team, he could sign like a three or four year deal or whatever. And then, but the only teams that could afford him are like the Pistons and like Spurs, teams right? like that that aren't going to be contending with Kyrie. So, one possibility that they were describing was Kyrie signing with this team <laughs> with both sides under the knowledge that we're going to deal you as soon as we can deal you. And at least we'll get like picks and players back in the equation. So, that's something to watch out for. But yeah, just, it could just be who, posturing. Who, who, it is smokescreen. Okay, let's, let's let's play this since we're here. Mm -hmm. Who would you give up for for KD? Well, old I mean, town. I, they I'd can have, have to, old town. <laughs> old town. Uh, I mean, I really feel like you would have to. I'd have to check the math to see what works. But I mean, I feel like Cam Johnson would have to be thrown in just. So the Nets are getting something that they want. Oh, I think Mikhail Bridges would have to be. I think in. Mikhail could be on the line. Da would certainly be in the conversation. Pretty much anyone except for Book and CP3, I feel like would be fair game. I think if you're the Suns, you try to hold on to Mikhail. If, but if, you have to throw in a shit ton of picks to entice them to do if that. If the Brooklyn Nets wanted CP3, <laughs> okay for KD. Yeah. Oh yeah, it ain't happening. Yeah, that's not going to happen. Yeah, but yeah, they're not going to. Like want I think the only one that's. Technically, off the books is probably Devin Booker. Um, but I mean, those are your most valuable assets. Mikael, Cam, guys like that. That's what teams are going to want for yeah, a superstar. They want, they want youth. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You have to give up something to get something. You're not going to get Kevin Durant for a you know, campaign, yeah, Landry yeah, yeah. Shamit, JaVale McGee. Yeah. Like, you're Crabbe. not going to get you, all you, of you that. Look, it works in the trade machine, though. The numbers you work. Also you also aren't getting to, him for just Cam You have to make the numbers work. Right. Like, those guys yeah. would have to be included. Yeah, but they wouldn't but be the have, center. No, no, absolutely not. No, definitely not. Like You're going to have to give up a Cam and either probably a DA or a McHale. I don't think you have to give up all three. If you throw in enough picks, but yeah, it would have to be at least two of those three, probably. My lawyer, so says Jay in the chat, says Espo and Lindsay's beanie for KD. Who says no? Me. <laughs> Hard pass. You can't have you, this. Yeah, beanie. you don't want to lose me. I know. <laughs> you can try it from my cold dead hands. No way. Yeah, yeah. Espo's fine. Espo can move my beanie. The beanie. But the beanie stays. Damn. I told you I wasn't lying about a vacation. Like, like <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> I wouldn't trade. I love you, buddy. Well, what's, the, what's the biggest hipster spot that we can trade to Brooklyn for KD in town? The biggest like, hipster spot? Yeah, in, in Arizona. The beanie would be trade. at home in Brooklyn. Is, it would. But is Lindsay a hipster? 
No, no, no. I'm, no. I'm saying the biggest hipster, hipster spot vibes. in Arizona. Uh, yeah, Brooklyn's no. very hipster. The most hipster thing that's ever been said. I'm not a hipster. <laughs> I just have hipster vibes. Well, because yeah. the beanie beanie has become equated, I feel like, with yeah, hipsters. hipsters. Yeah. 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 Lindsay's more grunge or than you very much. Yeah. <laughs> Lindsay can't figure out what she is is the problem. So it's just a rotating cycle. Lindsay's Let me just, try this. Lindsay's comfy. That's what <laughs> That's Lindsay exactly is. what it is. I just I just don't I don't see how the how you get to where KD but wants you didn't, to But you didn't see CP3. Yeah, you can, I, no, I try. said I didn't think $44 million for him made sense at the time, and I was wrong, and I admit that. But this is this is a guy in his prime that is one of the best players in the world, and I just don't see why why Brooklyn, even if he's, un, if he's like, oh, I'm unhappy you're not signing Kyrie, why they would blow it up rather than try to make things better Because that's KD. what these guys have done. I don't know. Harden's I, done that. Kyrie's done that. KD's done that. Like right. they go to places and they blow shit up and then I they move it. on to the next if spot. He, if he forces his way out, there's not a lot they can do about it. But he, to your point, he is under contract for four more years and $198 million. So yeah. they have control Bargain. of him, but like we've seen how often superstar players have effectively been able to force their way out no matter their contract mm-hmm. situation. So I wouldn't rule it out entirely. I agree with you. I think it's still a long shot at this stage. But the rumblings are there. The groundwork is there. If they don't figure things out with Kyrie, we could see things devolve pretty quickly there. We'll have our own goddamn Kevin Durant lounge in our <laughs> in our bar. I don't care if it ever gets used. It's a safe space for you, KD. You <laughs> come, you can, get your, you can get on all your burner accounts and nobody will ever know. Like You just do what you got to do, KD. <laughs> This is a safe space. Okay, you know what? Like, not to go too far off the rails here, but when you bring up burner accounts, I actually do really like KD on Twitter. I do too. I, I know a lot of people have accounts. issues with it, and because he's, it depends he's a on the aggressive day. at times. Mm-hmm. Yes, but I, I'm I'm all for it. Like, if you if you're a superstar, you're one of the people in this league who make it run and tick. By all means, tell us your feelings. I Look, think that's clap that's, back at fans for being jerks. Like, well, do it. I'm we cool want, with that part. We want athletes to be real, to be, mm-hmm. to open up, to show that. And when they do it, they get they get yep. crap for it. Mm-hmm. I'm all for it. Don't even use burner accounts. Go full like he has. Go full ham your, yourself. I don't. I want to see that from athletes. Yeah. I, I want honesty. I agree too. I wholeheartedly agree. Like, I think obviously athletes are more than just playing, you know, basketball players and or football players or whatever. Like. I want to know who these guys are, and I think that's that's some of the some of the things that like pro sports tries to do is they try to keep the the human element away from you outside of what you see on the court, right. and I think that's just as, as such a disservice to not only the the player but also the team. Like yeah. people want to buy into other people, you want to know who these guys are, and that you would fuck with them in real life. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's the appeal. Um, so yeah, I love when. KD goes on rants. I've always said that that is what I think is the biggest thing that's kind of holding hockey back is they don't invest in like storytelling mm-hmm. around their players enough. Baseball. Yeah. Baseball. Yeah. Too. Why, why do you think baseball is on a... you can get more fans yep. like really involved and engaged in your in your sport if you've invested in your players' stories more. And how, I mean, how much do we love rivalries in sports, right? Mm-hmm. If guys could actually speak their mind and and openly and stuff came out where they're bantering with about other teams and other guys it just makes things more intriguing i'm all for it by the way i love alex's comment in the chat 86 the johnny venerable chug room at the bar make room for the kevin durant throne bless johnny's heart (laughs) 
poor guy. That was, yeah. <laughs> All right. Any final thoughts on the Brooklyn drama? Like I said, don't get too excited just yet, but keep an eye on it. Just yeah. keep it on the radar. Jersey, it's too late. Definitely something to keep an eye on. And <laughs> if you love delivery. drama, the DraftKings Sportsbook app makes <laughs> the drama what? of nice. NBA playoffs so much more fun and entertaining this? and exciting. And what have they done with Lindsay? <laughs> the DraftKings Sportsbook app is an official sports betting partner of the NBA. And this week, new customers can bet $5 on any team to win and get $150 in free bets if they do. Also, if you are looking to turn a smaller bet into a bigger payday, during the NBA playoffs, you can do so with same-game parlays. And right now, all customers can place a same-game parlay with three or more legs and get a free bet back up to $25 if one leg does not hit. So take advantage of all the offers that the DraftKings Sportsbook app is providing right now. Download the app. Use the promo code PHNX when you sign up. Bet $5 on any NBA team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. That's promo code PHNX. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Mm, me uh, love DraftKings Sportsbook. <laughs> and Kobe. I wouldn't be able to talk after that. I would Not kill again. my voice. But I do have to read the disclaimer. 21 and older only. Arizona only gambling problem. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. Oh, New customers Next only. Step. Minimum $5. Not during the disclaimer, deposit. you jerk. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Have a gambling addiction? <laughs> no, that's not it. <laughs> Me have cookie addiction. <laughs> Me want cookie. Um, if you missed the cookie monster voice of Espo yesterday, there were was it yesterday? No, it was two, no, it was two, days, days, oh, it was two days ago. You gotta look. You gotta go listen to that. Um, we also had a sexy cookie monster, which was a little bit yes, was no, monster. No key monster here for all of you. Just this don't must listen be great to it before audio you go to bed because it'll be stuck in your head all night and you'll not be able yes. to sleep. Apparently, Cookie head. Monster is from Italy because he has a <laughs> thick Italian accent as well. All it's right. a me, a Mario. I can do that. I'm Italian, so no, we've been no kind letters. of going down the roster, talking about performances of different players on this team. Today, we are going to tackle the bench. Um, we did talk about Cam Johnson yesterday, so if you missed that, listen to that for Cam Johnson conversations. But outside of that, we'll kind of go down a few players off the bench. I think we should start with the backcourt, mm -hmm. if you guys are cool with that, and more specifically, Cam Payne. Uh, <laughs> so let me just give you some stats real quick. I know this is boring for some of you, but just to kind of set the scene, okay? That's always great in the show. Hey, well, I know uh, this is going to be boring. Yeah, well, some people sit there like and it, some people don't. Lindsay, it just is what it Lindsay is. Lindsay just saying, this I'll is, go fast. I have to read this and it's boring. No, it's not that. It's, it just gives provides a little bit of context, okay? Mm. So during the regular season this year, he averaged 22 minutes, 10.8 points, and he shot 40.9% from the field, 33.6 from deep. He had 4.9 assists, 1.8 turnovers, and three rebounds. Okay? Mm -hmm. In the playoffs, he averaged 13.2 minutes, 4.2 points. He shot 29.7% from the field, 16.7 from deep, and he had 2.1 assists, one turnover, and one and a half rebounds. So yeah. there's a pretty significant drop, mm. obviously, from the regular season to the playoffs. Mm. Do we need to have a therapy session around this one? Look, this is campaign in part. We got a guy that way outplayed who he is and what history tells us is campaign. <laughs> he was on the ropes and almost out of the league for a reason. 
Do I think he's slightly better than he was in the playoffs? Yes. But, <laughs> apparently Siri wants to really weigh in. But look, he's he's slightly better than he was in the playoffs. But I think his ideal position long-term on this team is the Aaron Holiday, Alfred Payton position where he's that third point guard. He's a guy that can come in if you desperately need a change of pace, but you don't have to rely on him. You can ride him if he's hot. You don't have to if he's not. And that's where the Suns got in trouble. They didn't have another option when he just couldn't do anything. Yeah, that really cost them because of the wear and tear that we saw on Chris Paul. Right. The heavy burden that he had to carry in the first round with Booker out and with campaign, you know, turning into Green Day's best album which is dookie like it was bad <laughs> so oh, you pull a hammy on that one james i thought that was a good one i'm not gonna lie to you but um <laughs> what'd you call him i called him j-man i don't know why that's what i call my dog i, 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 was, I, I was like who the fuck is j-man <laughs> j-bear i don't know oh, no. j-bear is better not yeah. j-bear um, i literally called him what i called my dog i'm having some kind of mental break on yeah, the show yeah, yeah. i just liked how i was looking at both of you and your eyes both rolled back in your head at the exact same time i'm used to that reaction uh, but no, like, look, campaign couldn't do anything in the playoffs. And it's because Monty pointed this out multiple times throughout the year when he was talking about campaign struggles is that for the first time in his career, he's actually on the scouting report. And last year, he took a lot of people by surprise. And that's an adjustment. And it's one that he has struggled with because they know he's trying to get downhill. They know he's going to throw up those crafty layups that you know, nearly touched the rafters and he wasn't good at finishing those layups and he couldn't shoot from three either. He shot five for 30 from three in the playoffs. 28 of those 33 point attempts were open or wide open. According to NBA.com, he made four of those. Like that's awful. Four for 28 on open or wide open threes is really bad. So if you can't shoot and you're not getting to the rim and when you are getting to the rim, you're missing a ton of layups. Let's actually pull up that clip, Shane, because there. This is just from the first three games, and this is just a collection of easy layups or really difficult ones that are not even close to the rim that we're watching here. He tries to get it over Larry Nance, not even close. This one he blows by Graham, has an easy layup, misses it anyway, and like it was just this over and over. If you're not scoring easy layups like this that just aren't falling, and if you're not hitting three-point shots... And if you're constantly attacking and throwing wild turnovers, like it's not going to work out well for you. So he, and only getting two point one assists per game. Like, yeah. th Then then what are you doing? Right. And that was why we, you know, in the playoffs, you see guys minutes dip, but his dip by nine minutes per game. And it's because Monty couldn't trust him out there for longer than like a handful of minutes. Uh, I get. I get what you're saying about the scouting report, but at at the same time, like you kind of just you, you didn't. <laughs> You kind of contradicted yourself, I guess, a little bit, but I, but not out of your own doing, like not purposeful. Mm -hmm. Like we're talking about wide open shots. We're talking about makeable layups. Mm -hmm. Scouting port report be damned. Like you got to come through. Mm -hmm. Like you got to play better. Right. And like, and I understand that. Like, listen, coaches know who's on the team and what they're going to do and what their tendencies are. Like when they're when when we're talking about scouting reports, like that can only take you so far, but. Good players always find a way around it. And campaign, we thought, based off of last year's performance, was going to be able to be that 
you know, that solid backup for, for CP3. And he was just so wildly inaccurate all season long. I think there was only a stretch of maybe two or three games where it looked like he was starting to put it together. Mm-hmm. And it's like a common theme with this team. Every single time it looked like somebody was was getting into a groove, injury, mm-hmm. injury, right. injury. Like, And he missed large stretches of the season as well. So I, I, I want to bag on campaign a, a lot because I feel like – you know, I think there's a common theme between uh, between campaign Cam Johnson and Mikhail Bridges, and the common theme is the energy that they bring to the court when things are going at a very high level. Cam Johnson is a fan favorite, so is Mikhail. Campaign was a similar fan favorite last year, mm-hmm. and the energy that he brought when he was when he was on a roll, it took this team to another level. Mm-hmm. But you missed all three of them basically this entire postseason. And that's what I feel like was the biggest miss so far for the Suns. There's the old saying, when somebody shows you who they are, believe them, right? I mean, if you look at campaign's career numbers, this season is right where he was career-wise. The bubble and last year were were the aberrations, the outliers in it. You look at it and... Before before joining the Suns, the best he ever shot from three was thirty eight percent. But he had been in the thirty thirty one, uh, you know, thirty two percent range uh, a bunch in his career. Uh, had never shot more than forty three percent from the field overall, field goal percentage wise, before coming to Phoenix. Like, I don't think he became an ultimate player coming here to Phoenix. I think he reversed back, it reverted back. To the mean. I, I, I understand it's easy to look at stats and say that, but 102 games, we're talking about 102 games from the bubble to the end of last season where you felt like he made significant progress in his game. And then you could also attribute that to playing for Monty mm-hmm. and the system and everything kind of just gelling together, right? And you're like, okay, maybe this guy's in the right role now and he feels confident, he feels comfortable in the system um, and he can thrive. And I think the Suns believe that. And then he goes back to to what you're saying. But I, I just... I, I don't feel like it's 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 a, it's a necessarily a case of you gotta just believe that he's just a shitty player. I think I think he could have improved, and I think I, even these clips, as much as we want to bag on campaign, like these are makeable plays. Mm-hmm. These are makeable plays. Like, right. but he didn't, he, and he didn't come through. I understand that, <laughs> but it's not it's not for lack of ability or talent. Is what I'm going to say. Look, anybody that gets picked 15th in the draft has talent. Guys that get picked second in the draft that have immense talent flame out and don't perform well. Just because you have talent doesn't mean that you're capable of accessing it or using it in the right moment all the time. For me, you can't go into next season with campaign as your primary backup to Chris Paul. Otherwise, you're setting yourself up for the same kind of shit we saw this year with it, and you're you're not going to be any better. I just saw 10 it. years worth of draft picks of, of players that had no talent get drafted by the Suns in the top uh, 15. It's look, it's it's tough with campaign because I I see what both of you are saying because that year last season where he shot 48% from the floor and 44% from three, that part felt a little unsustainable, but it did feel like something that he could kind of at least waver in that vicinity. And like, let's be real, heading into this season, a lot of people thought he might be the potential successor to Chris Paul, not just his backup, but like the guy that you could run at the point if he was able to build on what he did last season. We saw this year smoking their own stash. Yeah. But we saw, I was much more hesitant on that than a lot of people, but like 
we saw this season that's clearly not the case. And now it's to the point where in a playoff setting, can you still rely on him? And I know that's kind of unfair based on what he did in the conference finals last year when Chris Paul was out. Like everyone remembers the value, but they don't remember his 29 point performance in that game that kept them in that game. Oh, yeah. Like he was huge during that playoff run, kind of disappeared in the finals, disappeared entirely for both series this year. I think it is something you have to look at. Because, you know, we've talked a lot about how nobody on this team is off limits. He makes $6 million next season, and then he has a $6.5 million non-guaranteed salary for the following season. I think he's a guy that if you're looking to make a trade and upgrade your, you know, your core seven or eight-man rotation, he's a guy that you could throw in there as kind of a, a salary matcher for sure. Well, my, my other question is just his play sustainable the way he does it too, because he goes so hard. It is very, you know, speedy, violent at times in terms mm -hmm. of the way he throws his body around. You wear down after a while playing like that too. So, well, I, I get that. Um, but I, I mean, that's, listen, he's played that way his whole life. Like he's accustomed to that style himself. Mm. Like, so he's, he's used to it. I, I will also say easy's in the chat talking about Mikhail Bridges and how come we're not criticizing him. Well, we, we literally, did. we spent a whole episode <laughs> on Monday doing that. I know Lindsay just pointed that out as well. So just give you a heads up. We did bag on Mikhail Bridges and we had our thoughts. So, and he uh, makes 90 million, not a hundred million. That's not <laughs> how much he makes. Eh, semantics. No, I'm just kidding. That's a, that's a, that's a, that's a difference. I wish I could think 10, $10 million. million dollars is a huge deal for sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, I feel like, I mean, let's just Landry Shamet up next. Mm. How are we feeling about Landry Shamet? <laughs> I'm proud of Landry and how he played in, in the Mavericks series because it was um, he was one of the few guys that actually – Looked like he he was uh, contributing mm -hmm. whatsoever. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like his regular season was a tragedy, and I thought <laughs> it was just it was just a uh, it was a sham, uh, a mockery, <laughs> a traversham mock mockery. It started off so well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and so uh, like I just you gotta you gotta get more from him moving forward. Otherwise, he he too might be an expendable piece that you're gonna have to try and get rid of. And if you can get rid of that contract, which I think right now is not a is not a great contract for the Suns. I know ten million dollars is easy to swallow every year. It's four years, forty million, right? Um, but I just ugh, so, you gotta get more out of that. Here's the thing with the Landry Shamit contract. That is a very easily movable contract, mm -hmm. and I know you don't agree because of the length of it. But it's four years, forty-three million. The third year is non-guaranteed, and the fourth year is a team option. So it is not as bad as the base numbers would suggest. Um, he is a career thirty-nine percent shooter, and with as bad as he shot leading up to the All-Star break when he was dealing with that ankle thing, he wound up getting to just under thirty-seven percent for the season, which is not bad. Um, the playoffs, I, I feel like he was one of the few bench contributors who actually tried to give them something. He only shot 35% from three, which is not great, but he defended his ass off. And I, I feel like that kind of flew under the radar a lot of the time. He was really good defensively, which is not something he's been known for in his career. Um, but you're right. He is also a very movable piece if they are looking to trade for a star or package salaries together. Um they just need to wait until July 1st for what's called the poison pill clause in his contract to expire um, because right now the money would be different than what his overall salary is. Once it gets to July 1st, it would just be what his salary is um, as far as incoming and outgoing money. I think a lot of these trades we're going to see, they may be agreed to in principle, but they're going to have to wait right. for the new year, year league anyways. But, uh, you know, 
NBA general managers are like that friend we all have that look at uh, look at the person with flaws and go, oh, I can fix them. <laughs> and Landry Shamit seems like the kind of guy that every general manager goes, well, look at the shooting percentage in our system. I can fix him. So I think he's I think he's immensely tradable. But that said. I actually like what he brings to this team as a second unit guy. Now, he got thrown into the starting lineup a lot, had to get used more because of injuries and whatnot this year. But if his primary role is 3 and D off the bench, I'm okay with that. I think he can uh, I think he can pull it off and even though it was an up and down season, there were there were points where you watched him and you went now I understand what James Jones saw when he gave him this contract. The, the key is, like everything else we talk about, internal growth. He has to he has to live up to that potential now and do it more consistently. I wouldn't uh, be mad if Landry was on this team next year, it, no. within reason of like what his role is. Of yeah. course, I wouldn't be mad at all if he was still on this team. The thing that I think is, and this is just pure speculation, right? I think a lot of the things that are holding Landry back from being as good as he can be is his mind. Mm -hmm. I think it's mostly a mental thing, feeling uncertain about maybe his career, maybe his role on the team, just where people think he like opinions, like not from us or outsiders, but like the opinion of his coaches, his teammates on him. I think that plays a lot um, into his performance. And I think under within this group of the Suns, the coaching staff and the players around him, I think one more year, maybe he finds a little bit of comfort and a little bit of, I don't know, just being more solid in mm, that yeah. like feeling and in that spot. So I would be okay if we gave one more year to Landry. And, and it's easy to forget that like we think of him as more of a kind of veteran guy because he's been on so many different teams in his career. He's only 25 years old. He just turned 25 in mm-hmm. March. Like he's not a finished product. Um, and if we talk about how the Suns need to tweak their system to take more threes, that's another guy that you would like to have coming off your bench because he is a guy that can get up a lot of shots in a hurry. Um, His decision making needs to be a little bit better shot selection, but I think that was a process of kind of feeling out this more mid-range heavy offense versus what he's used to because to this point in his career, he's primarily just been a guy that flies off screens, runs all over the court and gets up shots. I think that's kind of what the Suns need to transition more to with him especially if they want to get those three-point attempts up. And he's got sneaky athleticism. What I think you'll see in year two is more of that fake and drive like Cam does and get some of those dunks as well. Like I liked the aggressiveness at times that we saw. It it, it didn't seem like he was afraid to go at the rim regardless of who was there. And and I like that that little bit of – I mean, it's a little crazy for for a guard when when he does that. I like that with a player, that not afraid to to go in there and test the athleticism. So. All right. So this guy wasn't on our list, but I do think we're getting a few comments about him. So we'll just spend a handful of minutes, not too much. Aaron Holiday. We didn't really get to see a lot of him, but are no. you guys hoping to see more of him in the future? Or where do you stand on Aaron? I'd love to see him here if you're going to play him. But if if you're not, hey, like, then hey, move on. Let him get an opportunity that's better suited for him. I mean, it was pretty clear they didn't feel comfortable with him because rather than turning to him when campaign uh, proved unplayable in that second series, they decided point book was the better option. And that was part of the downfall that we saw in the Mavericks series. So if you're not, if you're not going to buy into him there where you needed him and that's what you traded him, traded for him for, 
I, I don't know why that changes. I yeah. If he's your if he's your Alfred Payton next year, that's fine by me. But like he is a restricted free agent. His qualifying offer would be five point eight million dollars. Um, so it kind of just depends on what the market is like for him. If another team comes in with an offer, you're probably not matching that for your third guard. Like I would have liked to see more of him. Um, and I think we can all agree that Monty did not, for whatever reason, he got away from him after those first two weeks or whatever it was where holiday looked pretty good. And then he got away from him. He went with Alfred Payton for a couple weeks. And then by the time the playoffs came around, he wasn't playing hardly at all. Um, it would have been nice to see a few more minutes. He wasn't going to save that series either way, but um, yeah, I, I just don't think they're as invested as, in him as as we were. Which is, to me, it's a little problematic. Mm-hmm. Um, you had you basically had the equivalent of zero options coming off the bench, mm-hmm. but you chose to try and and work that anyway with Alfred Payton and um, and campaign, and none neither one of them were producing at at, at a high enough level to to warrant dismissing Aaron Holiday completely. Um, and that's what they chose to do. You know, Monty's the one that fucking said before the season started, you can never have enough Alfred Paytons. Uh, uh, yes, you fucking can. <laughs> they had like, too many. One they, is they too many. One was too many. Good. You know what I mean? Like, and they wouldn't even play Aaron. And and the thing that's problematic is that when we did get a chance to see Aaron Holiday, usually in in crunch or uh, in, you know in scrub time, last two minutes of the game or whatever, he played good. You know, and and mm-hmm. spots in the season, he played well, and I kept hearing about well, maybe he just doesn't know the offense to the to the to the level that you need it. I I get that, but at the same time, your your other option was going point book, and we saw how that that ended up hurting the team at the end of the season. Like Booker getting double teamed, nobody else was stepping up. Jesus, just give Holiday a chance. You never know. Sometimes some in sports, sometimes flukes happen because you're forced into a situation you can't avoid and maybe if they play Aaron Holiday in one of these games he gives them the juice that they need to make a run in like game three or game four uh in Dallas uh certainly not game seven that shit was not gonna be that didn't matter Mm -hmm. um but they didn't they just they were so hard-headed about it that I just don't understand like he must not know where the bodies are buried like other players that get multiple I, chances. I would are. like to know the why behind yeah. that a little and, bit and more. I, thought, and I don't I, know Gerald the had asked know. Gerald had asked earlier in the season, like, you know, why Aaron Holiday it was basically it was the last couple of games of the season when he finally got back on the court in, in exchange for Alfred Payton. Um and and Monty had said basically that he had made the mistake. He should have played him a lot more um because he was giving him a spark. Mm-hmm. And then he stopped again. Well, like I, what the fuck? Well and the he didn't know the offense argument. He, to be frank, in those last two games against Dallas, they weren't running the offense anyway. Yeah. So Mon- true. Monty's so true. Monty's biggest fault aside from the in game adjustment stuff that we've talked about is also what makes him such a likable coach and what makes it so easy to buy into his stuff is his trust and loyalty and faith in his guys. Like he was trying to, I think he got caught trying to play the long game because I don't think anyone expected that second round series to go to seven. After the first two games, we were like, this is going to be four or five games tops. Mm -hmm. And I think they got surprised at how Dallas responded on the road. And I think Monty got caught like this is a long finals run. If I turn my back on campaign now, if I go with Aaron Holiday instead, like campaign's confidence might be shattered the rest of the way. I might have to stick with Holiday the rest of the way. 
Like, can we get to the ultimate goal? I think he got pl- caught playing the long game. And the reality that we came to see is Dallas was for real and they were going to win that series. And they did. And you have got to be able to have those conversations with guys, which we know Monty's capable of doing and be like, look, you're you're not it right now. We need to go a different direction. He did that with JaVale going to Bismarck for a little bit and it worked. And that was something that needed to happen with campaign. It was something that we needed to see, at least see Holiday. But I do think there is something there that we just don't understand as far as him not. But he went away from campaign in in game five, five, six, and seven. Basically, campaign was an afterthought. He never even played again, basically. He played like a couple minutes here and there, but it wasn't as much as he was playing. So that was like the last. That, at that point, it was too late. Like, I mean, and you, won, you, won, you won game five. Mm-hmm. So, so this is what I'm going to say is you won game five convincing fashion. Things midway through the second quarter of game six, it, there's got to be an alarm that goes off in your head like, shit ain't right again. Mm-hmm. We've been in this situation twice before in games three and four. We have to make an adjustment. Uh, you know, my, you know, my, my faith in these players be damned. Like, Somebody's got to give us some results. As much as I appreciate what everybody brings to the table, somebody's got to be out, go out there and, and produce. Right. And nobody was. That's my thing. Is like nobody was. Like, and so just throw it out there for a couple minutes. You know what I mean? Just a couple minutes. Put some relish I, on your hot dog. I, I get that, but I also get what you're saying, Gerald. That he was playing the long game, and I think that was the problem with the whole team in that series. They just thought. They were going to win. Yes, that it that it was just going to happen mm-hmm. at some point. So, you know, why mess with too much? We're just going to beat these guys eventually, and they just kept being surprised every time Dallas found a way to beat them. So, mm-hmm. I think that was a larger uh, fault than just, just it was Monty the, looking long term. I think everybody was doing that. It was it was the pride before the fall, and I saw someone ask his campaign's confidence that fragile that like if he got benched, he wouldn't be able to come back from it. Kind of. Like yeah. you saw how bad he was playing. Like if you are playing that bad and your confidence is already shaken at the highest level at the worst time of year and then you get benched for it like there, that's hard to come back from yeah. it, when you know playoff games are every other day, especially. Also, you, you want we are going to be talking about money. I know there's some people asking, "Well, are we going to talk about money?" And we will be talking about money tomorrow. Oh, you're yes. getting all the money oh, you can handle. The uh, full money tomorrow. Oh, the full Monty tomorrow. Oh boy! <laughs> uh, all right, let's take a quick break. I want to remind you guys about. Uh, our desire for you all to Somebody stay to safe her. and healthy uh, this summer. COVID-19 vaccines are free for everyone five and older. Those 12 and older are also now eligible for a booster. Visit azhealth.gov slash find vaccine for a location near you. Let's move right along to the front court. We want to start with JaVale McGee. Yeah, let's do that. So I've got a few stats for JaVale as well, just because I feel like I pulled the stats for Cameron JaVale because I feel like those were kind of like the top two guys within this discussion. Mm-hmm. So during the regular season, he averaged 15.8 minutes, 9.2 points, and 6.7 rebounds. In the playoffs, he dropped down to 11.1 minutes, averaged 6.8 points, and four rebounds. How do we feel about JaVale McGee and the future with this team? I personally liked what JaVale brought to the team, in sp- specifically during the regular season uh, and the attitude that he brought. I don't put 
what happened in the playoffs as much on JaVale mm -hmm. as I do on roster construction because JaVale was never a guy that was going to be able to play and drop coverage and do those things. You knew that wasn't really JaVale, uh, JaVale's strong suit. So I think he was brought in because they were looking at well, if we face the Bucks again or if we face that kind of team, right. we need to have that guy mm -hmm. without looking at there's all all these other teams and the way that they play if you're in a seven-game matchup doesn't line up with JaVale. And that's not on him. Uh, no. So. I mean, there's there was two teams that the Suns would have had to face to get to the finals, and both those teams were horrible matchups for JaVale McGee, mm -hmm. the, the 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 Dallas Mavericks, and then if they would have won that series, the Golden State Warriors. JaVale would have been damn near unplayable against the Golden State Warriors mm -hmm. um, just because they have too many guys that can spread the floor out and, and shoot from the perimeter. So it's... It, I like JaVel what he brings the, to the team because of the the intangibles, the extracurriculars, um, keeping it loose, um, doesn't take himself too seriously, but he's intense on the court, mm -hmm. which I, I think I, lo I love that balance. It, it fits right into the mold of what these guys are, have had been about. Um, but uh, you do need to have a viable number one option there. And it, to me, I feel like what probably hurt JaVel the most was the fact that he did play – in some games, I thought he played more than he should have because at the end of the day, I had said at the beginning of the season, you were only winning a, a championship if DA was your third bell cow. And there was times where they just decided to play JaVale more than the, or almost as much as DA um, because they just liked what he was bringing to the table. And, and I thought at, at, at a certain point that was a little bit to the detriment of DA, but I'm always going to say that because I'm a DA guy. Yeah, I... <laughs> It's tough because he was super efficient in the playoffs. Like mm -hmm. he shot seventy percent overall, um, and he was even better in that Pelican series against a more traditional back line. But as soon as we got to the Dallas series, it was pretty evident like he couldn't defend against those five out lineups. Which, to be fair, not a lot of teams can. Like that gave Da problems. It gave Rudy Gobert, who's like a three time Defensive Player of the Year, problems. Um, and we've seen that with Gobert before. But like. JaVale's not going to be that guy on the perimeter. Shane, if we could cue up the clip, this is one play, just one of many, where JaVale's just in drop coverage because that's what you have to do with JaVale McGee. He can't be flying around on the perimeter. He's going to get burned off the dribble. And that was Davis Bertans just coming off a screen. Jay Crowder gets nailed, and McGee is in the paint where he has to be. But like that's a wide-open three for Bertans. After he had already got started that game three for three, I think that was game four, um, and that put the Suns down by like 16 and they they were just never really in it the rest of that game. That's what teams will do to JaVale McGee in the playoffs. So if you are going to bring him back, which he is a, an unrestricted free agent this summer, the Suns can use their non-bird rights to re-sign him to a deal starting at $6 million. Like you've got to make sure that you also have that mobile big like a Bismack Biombo coming back so that you can be flexible and change things up when you have to, which again is some, something that Monty needs to improve at. Play a little thought experiment with me. Say mm -hmm. you bring JaVale back, Dario's healthy. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like that's the better rotation? Like, does it yeah. does it work better there? Uh, because now you can play Dario in those situations where where JaVale can't play. You can play JaVale. Like, to me, it feels like part of that they were looking at if Dario can come back by the playoffs, we have a, a perfect kind of rotation for this. Uh, and didn't really address it because they thought maybe that was a possibility. 
I think so. I, I think if you have JaVale McGee and Dario Saric back next year, and you're if you don't, you know, package Saric in a trade for someone else, I think that's a pretty that's a center rotation that gives you a little bit of variety. Like this year, it was mostly rim rolling bigs. Saric brings a little bit of that perimeter passing, shooting, dribbling, a little bit of everything. Like he's called him and Frank Kaminsky connectors in the way that they move the ball when they catch it at the top of the key. That's something. RIP Frank and Kaminsky Cove. (laughs) Those are things that the Suns offense needs and the defense, more importantly, you need that switchability. Um, And JaVale McGee is just a guy that in drop coverage, he's going to get, they're going to go at him every time. All right, Bismack Biombo. How are we feeling about Bismack? I love Biz. He's a mm-hmm. he's a guy that you can throw out there for a handful of minutes. He'll make an impact, but he's clearly flawed, and he's best as a third string big at this point on a contender, at least. And, well, and I think he accepts that, too, yeah. which I like about him. Right. You know, he's not a guy that's going to make waves because he's not right. getting minutes. He's a guy that'll come in and will hustle his ass off when he when he gets to play, and you paid him next to nothing. And oh, he donated all that money to build a hospital. I can't I can't bag on the dude. There was nothing that he did that you could look at. And you go, well, he crapped the bed. No, he came in and did what they asked and more at times. Mm-hmm. I don't have a problem with it, with Bismack and what he did this year. Exactly what I was supposed to say. Yeah. I mean, there's not really much to add. But, uh, I mean, anyway. Dagoon in the chat said we got what we expected with Biz and that's okay. Yeah, yeah, a million percent. I mean, you can't be mad at that at all. Love that guy. I don't think I've ever been in a media scrum as impactful as the one that he gave when he told us about why he was building the hospital and his background in that regard. Like, just a stand-up dude. If you can get him back on a free agent minimum deal that'd be great but you know like he, he gave them everything that he could and the expectations weren't high and i think he passed them and he's down to fight a guy in the tunnel and i'm okay with that <laughs> that was funny his that little press funny. conference the next oh day throwing little jokes around <laughs> he's so precious all right we're gonna wrap things up with tory craig mm-hmm. because i feel like this one yeah has a lot of people feeling some type of way, right? Mm. Because we saw Tory last year. We got him back this year. Not what I think a lot of people expected from him no. as far as the way he was able to perform once he rejoined this team. Well, I mean, you can see people are asking, do you think Sticks will return? First of all, no. No. Uh, <laughs> second of all, um, listen, the, the trade w- happened because they were looking for some juice. They couldn't pull the trigger on something that was more lucrative for whatever reason. Um, so they decided to go back with what they knew and then add Aaron Holiday as well. And that just didn't pan out. And you didn't get the same magic from Tory. But it's hard for me to bag on Tory when the rest of the team also did not do what they did last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think that needs to be taken into consideration. Like, Tory didn't play at a, at, a, at a high enough level, but neither did Mikhail, neither did Cam, neither did CP3, neither did DA. Like, it's it's just so easy to just point out one guy. Um, and in this instance, as a role player who is reliant on everybody else to kind of get him into positions where um, he can create or, or score, um, it, it just it wasn't a, a good mix um, for him this season, and um, so yeah, I like Tori. I think he's a, I think he's a good dude. I think uh, you know he's Elevated been on our show, great mm-hmm. interview. Um, but to be honest with you, if they moved on from him or they traded him, like it's not, it's not going to move the earth. Yeah, I, the chat, the sticks, kids are back. Like, come on, let's not act like 
they traded this all-world player to get Tory Craig. No, right? but so, I do understand like the idea behind it, right? Like you, if you're upset about that transaction, be upset that Jalen Smith was the tenth pick. Don't yeah, be upset that he was traded for Tory Craig. Especially that makes when no you sense. when you see all the guys that ended up they ended up passing on that a lot of us were clamoring for: Tyrese Halliburton, mm-hmm. Desmond Bain, who are killing it right now. Yep, there you go. And, and they had already. They had already made their bed when it came to JaVale McGee, or excuse me, not JaVale McGee, uh, when it came to Sticks. They had decided they weren't picking up the his option. option. Yeah. So it was done. They got something for him before he walked for absolutely nothing. That's that's what it is. So, look, I wish Torrey had played better because he was such a fun part of of the previous year, but nobody did. Like, I, I, I don't know how to, to gauge it. And it's not like he's making that much money. What is it, $5 million? $5 million. Like, so... That's the kind of guy you go, okay, if he's part of a trade because it helps make finances work, great. If he's here and he's part of, of your the back end of your bench, it's the kind of guy you need on a roster at a, at a low salary. You know, I I would have loved to see him play better, but I don't have a problem with Torrey Craig and, and what he did. He wasn't ever going to be the savior of this team. Right. It was unfortunate that it seemed like his approach became more perimeter-oriented this time around than yeah. last time. Yep. He was a really smart cutter last season and especially in the playoffs. Like he was the guy that, okay, you're worried about Devin Booker, you're worried about Chris Paul, you're worried about DA rolling. Oh shoot, there's a Tory Craig cut that like nobody was paying attention to. He was really good at that. And this year we didn't see as much of that. He was pulled, I think, midway through the Pelican series. Like we, we do want to talk about how Monty has his faith in his guys. Tory Craig wasn't one of those guys this year because he was just getting torched by Brandon Ingram. Um, so it, it's one of those things where you were hoping for more of an impact, like the first time he came here midseason, but you can't, you know, you can't be too mad about this when literally everything else was falling to shit as well. I, I will say this, like uh, there's a lot of people saying, well, he, sh- he played so much better at Indy when he got some run. Well, of course he got some run. Yeah. Jalen, Jalen. Um, sorry. Yeah. Jalen got some run and he actually produced. Well, yeah, he got some run because Indy's a shitty team. That's why he, that's why, that's why he got some run. Like he wasn't going to get that kind of run with the Suns. Like Do people not remember Alfred Payton had some triple doubles with the Suns, <laughs> right. his first run here when they were dog trash and everybody's like, maybe he can be the point guard of the future no it's like somebody's got to score on a bad team that's what happens i think it's buck dog said can we be upset at both gerald your your kind of comments around like don't be mad about the trade be mad about the fact that he was the 10th pick in the first place i think it's just a culmination of frustration around the mismanagement of that entire situation is how everyone's kind of feeling right now and where you direct your anger can vary from day to day but it's one of those things that turned out to not be the right decision after the fact but all the evidence they had through the first two years of his career was this is not a guy worth the money that we're gonna pay like we don't Sticks was not good the first two years. He showed virtually nothing. And when he did show something on this Suns team, it was because they literally had no other options at center and he was in a contract year. So we should bear that in mind. I'm not trying to dump all over Sticks right now. Like I think that in Indiana, he'll get a chance at more minutes and that will give him an opportunity to grow. Phoenix, as a title contender, his first two years in the league was not the right environment for a player who needed developmental minutes. Like he needs to be able to have his failures trial by fire on a bad team. That's what he needed. The Suns needed to take a more NBA ready player 
And if they had, if they had taken Tyrese Halliburton or Tyrese Maxey or any of those guys, we wouldn't be as worried about the Chris Paul situation as we are right now. Also, can we can we can we also mention can we also mention the fact that Sticks got drafted at a time when they cut the Naz Suns. Mm-hmm. Like so, there was no development program, so right. he had nowhere else to go. Mm-hmm. He couldn't go to the G League and improve. No. He had to stay here and work through it. The the fortunate thing for for Mikhail, and you could even make the argument for Cam as well, um, that the first two years that they were in a Suns uniform, um, this team was trash. They were not very good, and they had to learn all together. And then they got guys like Ricky Rubio and and, and CP3 to help a little bit with that, and and it helps them develop. But uh, Sticks was already he he already had like one foot in the grave before he even started because they didn't have listen I, I will say this I don't feel like the Suns development program um, has really shown a lot I think we we saw we thought we saw glimpses in the bubble when they kind of recovered and went 8-0 and then last year CP3 comes in and you think oh okay I think this year it kind of showed you like okay like talent development where are we at on this I feel like they kind of stayed like the same team and everybody else adjusted to them this season and, I, and when you look at a guy like Jalen Smith getting traded He's kind of a, a kind of an example of that because yeah. he did show flashes this year. You know, yeah, he he, he had flashes. he had a couple really good games, but but that's it wasn't the, consistent. that's the unfortunate part about having to decide on a player's next year option before the current season. Mm-hmm. Like that's always struck me as weird. You have to decide if you want this guy for his fourth year before his third year starts. Like that has never made cool. sense to me, and that's what came back to bit them but, to bite them. But Saul makes a great point. If if you have I mean, they were not committed to development of, of draft picks. When you cut the NAZ Suns, you know, they, they talked about how it was so important to to start looking at how to win now. Like, that's not an environment for, for a guy that is raw. And people, I mean, I remember draft night. I think we were talking back in the old days, saw the Casey Jacobson. He was talking about this kid's raw. You're going to see a lot of, mm-hmm. you know, great highlight dunks from his time in college, but he's he's a raw player. And if you, you draft a guy knowing that and you bring him in an environment that has no ability to facilitate that kind of growth, that's that's on management for making yeah. that pick. Like you said, and not picking the better NBA-ready player. And no summer league for him to develop. Yeah. And no um, <laughs> no set position. They drafted him thinking he'd be a four that could play next to DeAndre Ayton. And he was pretty – we're not going to get into this again, but he was best as a five. And that was a mismanaged pick I think on we can part. all agree it was just a mess. Yes. Let's just call it that and say, move right on along because we I, don't need another I, I one will, of these. I will use one little <laughs> stat. He did shoot 39% from three with the Pacers, so maybe he was a four. He's not a four. <laughs> he was a four. Yeah. It's not a four. Okay. <laughs> we don't have to argue about sticks because it doesn't matter anymore. No, it doesn't matter Nothing anymore. matters it's right okay. now. <laughs> wow. Any final thoughts on the Suns bench and kind of just where you think – yeah. The future might be for them. Lots of changes. Yeah. I think there's lots of changes coming to the Suns bench. Yep. I would hope so because I, I think we've seen the last two years, the three by far five index card approach doesn't work. Having a lot of depth doesn't work if you don't have seven or eight guys you can rely on come playoff time. Yeah. All right. We're Posted gonna no depth. Fix That's it. what they need. We're going to round out the show with a little bit of a ad read roulette oh, let's spin that uh, beautiful wheel no, i hope i don't get picked man because i really have I'm to go pee not prepared let's see who it is for any of this. Da, 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 da. Hey! Hey! 
you Let's know, go. So Lindsay. I it? had a feeling this would happen because I feel like y'all rigged it so I didn't get it the first no. two days I came back to no. give me a little bit of grace for there's, actually having to get back into the swing no of things. Rigging of Let's, the roulette reel. I feel Let's like find was. out what she's going to have to do the ad read. I appreciate as. it. Spin it. Here we go. Round and round we go. Where it stops, nobody knows. You have to do a Victorian accent. <laughs> she just did one earlier, so that's okay. Oh, uh, Victorian accent. Can somebody just like just say think, it real quick? Say something Victorian real quick. Think, but just say something real quick so I can get it in my head. Espo, I know you have a Victorian thing. I don't. Victorian thing. Victorian Didn't you thing? do one earlier? You have a thing about Victorians? What did I say? Where's Shane when you? Here we go. See, this is why I said you should pick your own voices. (laughs) (laughs) Me want to hear Lindsay do Victorian. (laughs) (laughs) I know this is gonna be so bad. Oh, I did a southern accent. I did a wind uh, weather guy accent. I need to hear it in order to be able to do it. How do Victorian people speak? They sound very high and mighty. Say things like perchance. I don't think it's going to work. Um, well, let me just tell you guys about this wonderful, <laughs> delightful company that I have once, uh, that I've stumbled upon, who is a sponsor of this show that we all love very much. Mm-hmm. Uh, what you need to do is stop by your local dispensary and grab some amazing scratch-made THC gummies from our friends at OG. (laughs) They have different flavors like blackberries and cream and watermelon. Of all things, watermelon. Can you imagine? Do you believe? (laughs) Uh, It's perfect if you're in the mood for an uplifting sativa or a chill indica. Whichever you prefer, you can get at OG. So, if you are interested in trying the amazingly delicious variety of flavors that OG's brand has to offer... Go to OGsBrands.com. That's O-G-E-E-Z Brands.com to find an OGs near you. Cheerio. <laughs> Hooray. Hey, that was That's great. honestly, was that that was I think that was the best that impression was. we've had so far. <laughs> that was spot on. That was, everybody's talking about Downtown whole, Abbey right now. The whole time downtown, I had to have my hand like the movement. Downtown Abbey. <laughs> what I've never it? seen it. Downtown Abbey. That's what it is, it's right? Downton. Downton. Oh, I've oh. never seen that. Buckdog has an English guy that's obsessed with <laughs> oh, sorry, oh, I'm sorry, Buck Dog. I'm sorry. Righto. Hip, hip, cheerio. <laughs> well, I did the best that I could. So hopefully I lived up to all expectations. Nicely done. Nicely Way done. To go. Thank you all for tuning in. We appreciate you as always. We will be back tomorrow at 2 p.m. So plan to come hang out with us again. Um, I believe we are going to be talking all things Monty tomorrow. Mm-hmm. A couple extras in there as well. So... A lot of you in the chat asked for it, so come back tomorrow so that you can receive what you'd like to have. Don't forget to check out gophnx.com. Consider becoming a member today. Gerald is still writing great articles over there. There's content for all the teams in the Valley. Um, So, yeah. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time, you can follow me on Twitter at LindsaySmithAZ. You can follow Saul at Saul underscore Smith. The bar is the floor, <laughs> according to Chris. What does that even mean? Oh, that means that you had no, you didn't have to clear a high hurdle to be the best yeah. impression. Oh, I see, I see. <laughs> um, you can follow Gerald at Gerald Borgay. And, of course, you can follow Espo at Espo. Espo, take us home. Remember. 
We're all sticks kids. Just a varying degrees. Ahoy hoy. Megas in control and he ain't never gonna let go. PH and X though. Lindsay Gerald Espo. Saw past the ball. We here to turn up the tempo. Got to understand me. I'll always wreck the family. Rally in the valley like Dan G. No plan B. Always on the job. My team move like the mob. Turn the beat on. I throw it down like DA on the lot. Best combos.